Job chapter 1, we'll start reading in verse 13. 13 to 22, as a matter of fact. Job chapter 1, 13 to 22. Job chapter 1, 13 to 22. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And there came a messenger to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them, and the Sabians fell upon them and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The fire of God fell from heaven, burned up the sheep and the servants, and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking... There came another and said, The Chaldeans formed three groups and made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And it fell upon the young people and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. In verse 20, Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. He said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, again, I just come before you as humble as I know how to say thank you for this day and thank you for this opportunity to be up here uh, rightly dividing your word. I pray, God, that you would have our hearts and minds focused on your word and your message this morning. I pray, Father, that everything I say would be um, uplifting and upbuilding to your kingdom. We just pray, Father, for those that are sick and those that are not able to be here. I just ask, Lord, that you would uh, heal their bodies, that you would allow them a, a peace and a comfort that is unexplainable by us, Father. I thank you, Lord, for all that you have done and all that you will do through your word this morning. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the, a couple of weeks ago, um, I was up here and um, kind of doing a little New Year's thing, and, and it was actually the week of New Year's, and um, I talked to you about um, noticing the people that were ready for 2019 to be gone and ready for 2020 and ready to see, and, and the the fact of the matter is, is we don't have any idea what the future holds. We don't have any idea that we'll see the end of 2020. We don't know that we'll see the end of this week. We don't have any control over that and the, the, the mindset of being prepared for that and living like that is a truth in your life. Now this morning I kind of want to carry on with that a little bit and, and say, you know, we see Job here four different times the scripture says, and while he was yet speaking... You know, Job is receiving this bad news, and if you go back and start at the beginning, of course, most of you know that, that uh, Satan has come before God and, and, and gotten permission from God to touch the things that Job has. Uh, Satan's claim was, hey, no, reason, no, no wonder he praises you. You've put a hedge of protection around him and nobody can touch him. No wonder he thinks you're the greatest thing. But if you'd let me strike him and take stuff away from him, then he would curse you. And God goes, have at it. All you can do, the first time Satan goes, he gives him permission to touch his stuff, but not him personally. 
Now Job is, is his kids are at, at, at the oldest son's house and they're all chilling and, and drinking wine and, and, and having themselves a big old time and, and, and Job's over here doing what he does and minding his own business. And then this first servant comes in and, and he tells him that, that his oxen and his donkeys have been taken and all the servants that were there with those oxen and donkeys had been killed. And I alone have survived to come and tell you. Listen, he don't get through talking. He don't get through talking and the scripture says, while he was yet speaking, another came. So he's getting this news. He's hearing that all his donkeys and all of his oxen have been killed or taken and all the servants that were over them have been killed. So he's lost livestock and people and servants. And while he's receiving this news, while he was yet speaking, another one comes. And his sheep are gone. And while he was yet speaking, four times the scripture says, while he was yet speaking, they ain't even getting it out of their mouth till the next thing happens. Have you ever in your life been in a place where it felt like one thing didn't get over with before the next thing started? Huh? And it feels like you can't get your head above water and no matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you pray, no matter how much medicine you take, no matter how much, no matter what you try to do, it seems like one thing don't get done happening to you till the next thing starts. You know, Job is a, is a very, what I, in my opinion, an extreme example of this. I mean, because we ain't talking about a sore throat and a cough. This man ends up in this story, by the end of it, everything is gone, health and all. So this is an extreme example that I, I brought you to this morning, but I brought you here because I want you to know that you ain't the only one. Because right now there's a lot of people, I know personally, a lot of people that are suffering things and it seems like they just can't get their head above water. It seems like no matter what they're doing, one thing don't get done happening before the next thing starts. Four times in this scripture, it says, and while he was yet speaking, the next layer came. And it came in four layers in this part. And listen, this ain't the end of the story. We just read half of it. Literally. This ain't the end of the story. And it just comes in waves and it just keeps mounting and it just keeps crashing. Look at here. If you'll go over to Job chapter 9 verse 17. Just flip right over to Job chapter 9. Here's how Job describes it. This is after, after, after a little bit further into the story and, and Job's now talking to, about God and to, you know, he ends up putting God on trial and it don't go well um, for him. But this is during that part. Look at chapter 9, uh, verse uh, 17. For he crushes me with a tempest, tempest and multiplies my wounds without cause. Look at verse 18. He will not let me get my breath, but fills me with bitterness. He won't let me catch my breath. And he's talking about God here, and he's talking about this series of events that's taking place, and he's going, I can't catch my breath. It's happening so quick. And he says, it makes me bitter. You know, a lot of times when we find ourselves in a situation where things are just coming at us, 
we get kind of bitter, don't we? It kind of makes us ill, so to speak. And it upsets us because I can't, I can't even catch my breath. I can't get my head above water. It feels like every time I get a step ahead, something else comes at me. You know, I, I had a little one that was sick, and I had, and then I was sick, and then uh, and we had this loss in this family, and we had this loss, and it just seems like everything just keeps coming at me. Anybody ever been in that situation? Some of you may be in that situation now where it just feels like no matter how hard you work, no matter how hard you pray, no matter what you do, it's just continually coming at you. You know, and sometimes that leads to bitterness. Sometimes that makes you question, is God really who He says He is? Listen, let's keep reading this story right here. Job, Job has lost his oxen and his donkeys in verses 3 through 15. And the servants that are with him, don't forget that now. Verse 16 starts with, you guessed it, while he was yet speaking, there came another and said, the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you that first group that took the uh, oxen and the uh, donkeys, uh, they were a group from the south. They, they were south of where Job was located. This fire just fell from heaven, right, straight above. The, the next group that we'll see in verse 17 is the Chaldeans. They're from the north of Job. And because of the description of the winds and where it came through, it says, through the wilderness, that came from the east. All these things that are coming against Job seem like it's coming from all directions. You ever been there? You ever felt like it just come from everywhere? That it wasn't one particular source, but everywhere you turned and every direction you tried to go, it seems like something else is coming against you? That's where Job's at. That's what he's experiencing. Every, listen, he's lost his sheep, he's lost his oxen and donkeys, he's lost two sets of servants that are taking care of those animals. Keep going with me. In verse 17, and you might guess by now how this verse is going to start. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The Chaldeans formed three groups and made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. You see this pattern? You, you see what Job is facing? Keep, 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 stay with me. Keep up with me. Stay, keep, keep awake. Listen to me because I, I, you, I'm going to put you... I want to I ask you to put yourself in this story here in a minute and I'm going to ask you to answer a pretty important question. So I, I need all of this to mound up on you. I need, I need you to have an understanding of exactly what's taking place in Job's life right here. He, he's losing livestock and he's losing servants quicker than the news can get to him. You get that, right? While he was yet speaking, the next one happens. I mean, it's happening so quick. In Job's own words, he feels like he can't even catch his breath. It's so much so fast. Look at this. Keep going in verse 18. And you may guess by now how this will start. While he was yet speaking, 
There came another and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young people, and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Now at this point, it's all gone. You realize that, that the, the things that he has lost were his wealth, his riches, right? I mean, this is what established him as, as a well, um, wealthy person. Now, now his children, he's just gotten word his children are gone. All of his children at one time are dead according to the Scripture. So he's lost donkeys, oxen, sheep, camels, all the servants that tend them, and now all of his children are gone, dead. Wasn't doing nothing, wasn't out of line, wasn't bothering nobody. You see this, right? It's all gone. And it happened so fast, according to Job, I can't even catch my breath. This is all coming so quickly. It's just one thing after another, and it's coming from all directions, and it's affecting so many aspects of life for Job. My question for you this morning is, what do you do when you get back up? Can you imagine standing in Job's shoes, how quick this information is coming and the severity of the losses that he's taken? What that felt like to be Job at that time? I mean, it's like, it's like getting hit in the mouth and getting knocked plumb down off your feet, right? So, so now what? When you get back up, what do you do? I, I want to start this for you, though. In verse 20, I want, you, I want to read a portion of this. Listen to me. Then Job arose and... Then Job arose and then Job got back up. You see that, right? Then Job got back up. I want to know, I want you to put your name in here, and instead of Job, I wanted to say your name, and I want you in your mind to tell me, not out loud, in your mind to tell me what this was read if it was a story about you. Now what are you going to do when you get back up? Some won't get back up. Some just stay down. They've got knocked down and that's it. They're just going to be down. But some will get back up. And let me ask you something. If this was a story about you and it says, your name instead of Job arose and what? Now what? Listen to what Job did because I want you to get this. I want you to know that there's a right answer to this question. Look, Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head. Those are two signs of grieving. Alright, signs. Job is grieving. He's tore his robe and he shaved his head. So it's okay to grieve the loss. It's okay to be sad from the loss. It's okay that you ain't spunky and perky and, and all is good and, and uh, ponytails and puppy dogs and all that stuff ain't running through your head. It hurts. 
when it all comes at you, when it's coming from different directions, and when it's one thing after another, and when it just continues to hurt, it's okay that you hurt. It's okay to admit that it hurts. It hurts. Hey, this world stinks sometimes. The things we face in this world stink sometimes. Sometimes it just stinks to be alive. It does. But it's okay that you feel that way. Nobody, it's no reason for you to enjoy suffering. Now, you can suffer with joy, but I'm talking about enjoying it. That ain't normal. To desire it and want it ain't... Listen, Job was grieving. He just lost everything. All of his personal, physical possessions are gone, including his children. Then Job arose. He tore his robe. He shaved his head. That's a time of grievance. Now this story is being told, and and we want to believe with all we got in us because we're reading it this way, that this is boom, boom, boom. Tears his robe, shaves his head. But you know, it probably took a day or two. You know, it may, it may have took overnight. I mean, you know it took a few minutes anyway. I mean, he shaved his head. He didn't have an electric razor, right? So it took a little time, right? Now, we don't know how much time, and I'm not telling you it took weeks for Job to get to where he's going, but I'm telling you it did take some time. Because when we read it in our mind, we think he tore his robe, shaved his head, and went. And that may not necessarily be true, because it took some time to at least shave his head. I don't know how thick his robe was or how strong Job was, but that may have took some time too. Right? So this isn't a right now, right now, right now, but listen, here's the the main thing for you to get though. He's just lost everything, right? Tears his robe, shaves his head, which is grief. That's a sign of grief. He wanted everybody to know that he's grieving. It hurts, in other words, and he wants everybody to know it hurts. But I want you to notice what he did. He fell on the ground and worshipped. No matter how tough it is, no matter how bad it hurts, no matter how hard it gets, even if it feels like you can't even catch your breath because it's so much going on and it's so much happening all at one time. And although the pain is real and the grieving is real, listen, the number one thing you've got to continue to do, no matter how bad it hurts, is to worship. Because at the end of it, God is still God. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter how, mu- how, how bad it seems in your world. God is still God. And you've got to worship. And listen, a lot of the times, the grief and the pain, and I'm not saying there's a time limit for you to grieve. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying a lot of times, the amount of time that it lasts lays on us because we refuse to let go and just worship. Just, just worship. Listen, it may take a day or two for you to tear your robe and, and shave your head. It may take a week or two. It may take a month or two. But listen, there has to come a point where you finally let it go and just worship. Just worship God. He's still God. No matter what we endure, no matter what we go through, listen, listen to this. Joe, Satan had to get permission from God and when he gave him rules, he had to follow them. When he went this first time and asked to touch Job, God told him only his stuff, don't touch him. Look at this. That's no different than for you. That's reason enough to worship. No matter how hard it is, you're still drawing a breath. 
Right? It still hurts. I'm not saying it shouldn't hurt. I'm not saying you won't be sad. I'm not saying those things at all. But I'm saying eventually at some point you've got to let all that go and just fall down and worship. Fall down and worship God because He is God. Not because of your scenario or your conditions or whatever it is. And I know, Brother Nick, you don't know how bad I got it. Listen, it ain't as bad as what Job just went through. This is an extreme case. And I'm here for a reason because you, you, it can't be this bad. But if it is this bad, look at what Job did anyway. Right? He still worshipped. And let me show you where his mind was. Let me show you what he was thinking because a lot of times we kind of question, well, he just knew the right things to do, right? Keep reading that. Job rose, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, this was out of his mouth during this horrific time. This was Job's mindset. Naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I shall return. I didn't have nothing when I came in here. I ain't going to have nothing when I leave. In other words, Job said, the stuff don't matter no how. Here's what's important. The Lord gave. The Lord took away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gave. See, what happens is you and I get held up on what God took and we forget what God gave. Before he took, he gave, because if he didn't give, you wouldn't have it for him to take. And we get confused, and we get dead set on concentrating and, and digging in on the things that God took. Listen to me. Before he took, he gave. Worship him for what he gave. Because if, if, if he didn't give you your good health, you wouldn't have had good health to lose. If He didn't give you that spouse, you wouldn't have had that spouse to lose. If He didn't give you that loved one, you wouldn't have had that loved one to lose. Before He took, He gave. Concentrate on what God gave. Remember what God gave. Look at what Job says. I came in here with nothing. I'm leaving out of here with nothing. God took it because God gave it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God is still God, whether I walk out of here with nothing or not. Right? Where's that mindset? Fall down and worship. Worship. Listen, keep going. We're not stopping there this morning. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. In all this, in everything that Job did, he didn't sin and he didn't blame it on God. Well, sometimes it's tough to not just look up and go, <laughs> right? I mean, we want to. Because if we have the understanding that God gives and God takes away, then it must be His fault. But through all this, God, Job never sinned, and he never charged God. He never pointed his finger at God and said, this is your fault. Boy, if we could grasp that mentality. There's so many people that ain't in church today because some tragic thing happened in their life and they blame God and to this day, they still, it's God's fault. That's true, I'm telling you, it's true. I've talked to, I've met some of those people. I know some of those people. It's not God's fault. Here's, here's the problem. You live in a broken creation. 
It's broken. The death that we experience in this life is a result of the broken creation. It's the curse that we live under. If everything was what you wanted it to be now, why would you long for what's to come? Right? You, you've, God wants you to long for Him. God wants you to, to desire Him. God wants you to turn to Him. If everything was, was a bed of roses in this walk, why would you desire anything besides what's in this walk? You wouldn't. <laughs> you wouldn't. You would be content with what you have and that would be the end of the story. So there's never a reason for any of us to point at God and go, this is your fault. No, it's due to our bad decisions. All the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden. It's a broken, cursed creation that we live in. Yes, it hurts. I'm not, I'm, yes, it hurts. Yes, it stinks. Bad some days. But listen, God is still God and He still deserves to be worshipped. Keep going. This, this story, believe it or not, gets a little worse. Chapter 2, verse 7. So Satan went out from the presence of the... Satan has went back. In the first part that we skipped over in chapter 2, uh, Satan has went back to God and said, Hey, I mean, I'll, okay, I mean, I took your stuff and he didn't bail on you, but listen, he still got his health. If you'd take his health, if you'd let me take his health, then he would curse you. Let's go. Chapter 7. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. Listen, he took a piece of broken pottery with which to scrape himself while he sat in the ashes. He's scraping these sores that are from the sole of his foot to the crown. Listen, he's lost all of his livestock, all of his servants except the four that came and told him the news. He's lost all of his children. Now, as he is mourning and grieving, and don't forget this, worshiping God, he's struck with these sores that literally cover his entire body. Now he's physically miserable to go along with the misery he was already in because of the loss of everything. And he's sitting in an ash pile, another, another sign of grieving, another way of grieving during this time. His robe is torn, he's naked, he's shaved, and he's sitting in a pile of ashes with sores covering his body. Listen, guys, just a day or two ago, this man had absolutely everything you could possibly imagine. And it's all gone. Look at this. Keep going with me. He took a piece of broken pottery with which to scrape himself while he sat in the ashes. Verse 9. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. You know what you'll get sometimes when you're in a bad situation? is even worse advice. Even from people that love you. 
Even from people that really do want what's best for you, they see your misery and it causes them to give bad advice. His wife gave him bad advice. But you know, if he got his wife and three or four more together, he could probably get a consensus that that's what he should do. Because you look at his said, listen, just a couple of days ago, this man had everything. Now he's lost everything. Why should you hold on to your integrity? Curse God and die. Get it over with. Why do you continue to suffer? Why do you continue to hold on to this integrity? Why do you continue to love and believe and worship this God? Remember, he's worshiping. He's fell down and worshiped after all this has happened. His wife comes up to him and goes, Are you still holding on to that integrity? Curse God and die. Listen, in the midst of bad situations, you'll get bad advice. You will, and sometimes it'll come from people that are very close to you. It's why you've got to be grounded and solid. It's why you've got to stand firm on what you know and what you believe. It's why you've got to know what you believe and why you believe it. So you can stand on it when the times get hard. Because listen, in the midst of bad, bad times, you'll get bad advice. Don't go by that. Don't listen to that. Listen to me. Grieving's fine, but worship God. Worship God. No matter how hard it hurts, no matter how tough it is, He's still God. He's still the creator of the universe. He's still the one that tells the stars where to stand and the ocean where to stop. Worship Him. Remember a couple weeks ago when I talked about Peter and his... Statement to Christ, Christ said, y'all can leave too. And Peter looked at him and goes, to where are we going to turn? To whom shall we, where will we go? Listen, God is still God no matter what the circumstances you're in is. That, ha- that don't make no difference about who he is. He's still God. He's still the creator of the universe. Worship Him. Now I know it's going to hurt. I know it does. Worship Him. Worship, listen to me. Worship Him. Keep going with me. So, so his wife has told him to just curse God and die in verse 10. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women would speak. He said, Woman, you're talking crazy talk. Huh? Shall we receive good from God? And shall we not receive evil? So we're supposed to just sit here and take all the blessings of God and expect there never to be a bad thing to happen? That's what Job said. He said, you talking like a foolish woman. You talking crazy talk. Curse God and die. Oh, no. So, so we're, I mean, just, just a couple of days ago, we had everything we could possibly ever imagine. We was the richest of the rich, kids running around. I mean, we had it all. And God was good then. Now all that's gone and all of a sudden God's not good? That's what Job said. That was his explanation to his wife who gave him bad advice. Just curse God and die. In the midst of a bad situation, you'll get bad advice. Sometimes from the ones that love you the most. But see, they see your suffering and they see your pain and they can't stand it. It hurts so bad. But listen to what Job said. He's the one that gave us all that. He's the one that supplied all that. He, he was a great God when we had everything we wanted. Now that it's all gone, don't change the fact that He's a great God. Worship Him. Stay with it. Worship Him. 
Don't take the bad advice. Keep going. We're about done. In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. In all this, in everything that's happened, Job has not said a crossword to nobody. He has not cursed God, right? In all this. Now, now I want to tell you. Actually, I want to ask you. What are you going to do when you get back up? You're going to point your finger at God? Explain to the rest of the world how evil He is because He let this bad thing happen to you? Or maybe He let multiple bad things happen to you. You're going to explain to everybody how it's His fault? You're going to explain to them how He was a great God two weeks ago when they saw you and everything was going your way, but today He's the worst God there ever was because now you're in a bad situation? Or are you going to get up and go on with the grieving process and worship? Fall down and worship. You see that? He fell down and worshiped in the midst of all of this. <coughs> His wife comes and gives him bad advice. You should just say, why are you holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. And he goes, hang on. Are we going to receive all that we've received and not receive the evil? If God was God and He was that great when we had it all going our way, He's the same God when we ain't got nothing. He's worthy of your worship. Worship Him. Listen, what happens when, when, I, when we put ourselves in a position to worship God, regardless of our circumstances, is a lot of times our circumstances begin to not matter as much. Because our focus comes off of our, off of our circumstances and our focus gets on God and who He is. And see, that don't change. No matter, no matter what you've lost, no matter what you've got or ain't got, He's still who He was no matter what your circumstances are. Job understood this. Now, let me, now to, to carry you on through, because this is an awesome story. I love this story. I do. I really do. I love preaching out of it. I love reading it. I love studying it. There's a bunch of lessons in here, and one of them's coming up where we're going to stop. Job's friends show up. And let me tell you something. For seven days, they did the right thing. For seven days, they done what they were supposed to do. They joined him in his sorrow and his worship. They just sat there and didn't say a word for seven days. But they couldn't stand it no more. They opened her mouth and stupid fell out. And they started accusing Job and started accusing God. Job, you're the one that taught us what bad thing have you done for these bad things to happen to you. And Job's going, I ain't did nothing, God. Yes, you have. And one at a time, they stand up and point their finger at him. But listen, for seven days, they've done the right thing. So as a sidebar to this morning's message of what will you do when you get up? What about when you get up? When the story says, when Nick arose, is it going to say that I grieved a little and then fell down and worshipped? Or is it going to say I gave up and quit and walked off? See, it's up to me. It's up to you. And for those of you that may not currently be standing in one of these positions, maybe you're a friend of someone who is, do the right thing. Keep your mouth shut. Just go sit and grieve with them. Just go put your arm around them and let them know you love them. Don't stand there and try to work it all out for them. You don't know. 
You ain't God. Just love on them. Just love them through it. Whatever it is. Man, it's hard for me to do that sometimes because I'm, I'm, I'm a counselor too, you know. I mean, we, we, we try to help people. Listen, God, in my life, I am a fixer. Literally. I am a diesel mechanic. huh? I fix stuff. When you call and it won't run no more, I go make it run. I fix stuff. I, I'm a counselor. When it's broken, they bring it to me and my wife and we set them in front of us and we go, you do this, this, and this. So sometimes I have to be reminded I ain't really a fixer. I'm just God's little puppet. And if He fixes it in my presence, He gets the glory for that. But there's sometimes when it ain't nothing I can say that's going to matter. That what really people need is somebody to listen and not talk. So you've got two ears and one mouth for a reason. You should listen twice as much as you talk. Boy, that's a struggle in my life. I just go on and throw that out there. If you don't believe me, ask Amanda. So, whether you're the person in Job's shoes, or you're the person that, that's on the way to assist, we're going to do something a little bit different this morning, I think. <coughs> we're going to have a song of invitation, but it ain't really an invitation song. I requested a particular song. Because if you're one of these people that is in this situation right now in your life, I want to give you opportunity to do one thing. Worship. I want to, I want to give you all opportunity to worship. Because I know there's so many situations and so many scenarios of, of, of people that it just feels like you can't even catch your breath. It's one thing after another. It's this loss and this sickness and this tragedy and this thing. And it feels like your world is crumbling. But I promise you, if you can get your mind for just one minute to let go and worship, your view will be different when you walk out of here this morning. I promise you. If you'll just trust me. Now again, it is a time of invitation. And we are, we are, this altar is open for prayer. If you just need to pray for somebody. Maybe you've got a friend in that place that's right now in that place and you know it's decision time for them. I promise you, your prayers will be heard. Lift them in prayer. Pray for them more than you talk about them. Or talk to them. Pray for them. Y'all stand as we worship this morning. I encourage you to come forth and worship. No matter how tragic it feels, no matter how bad it seems, I promise you, if you can find it in your heart to worship, it'll look different when you walk out of here this morning, no matter how fresh it is.